Good morning, everybody. Uh, just, uh, just give me a second whilst I just prepare myself. I love that reading, Mark. Thank you so much for, for reading um, that passage for us. Um, the great thing about uh, technology is that when you come to use it, it verifies an update for you. And so I will probably be preaching this sermon ad lib, <laughs> and we'll see how that goes, shall we? We are, I think I need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. Um, let me just see. Yes, and now my laptop is dead. <laughs> Let's see how this goes. <laughs> I just want you to try and, and, and put yourself in the, in, the, in the place of the disciples in the upper room. Um, as they were listening to Jesus, Jesus was telling them that he wasn't going to be with them any longer. And I want you to try and think of what that would have meant to them. Think about the, the, the fear they would have had. They'd just spent the past three years with Jesus. They would have followed him in his ministry. They would have seen him heal the sick and give sight to the blind. They would have seen Lazarus raised from the dead. Jesus was their constant Jesus was always with them. He was providing them the peace that they needed. And you could just imagine as Jesus was telling them, that I'm, I'm going to leave with you. I'm going to leave you. But I'm going to go to a place where you cannot follow me, where you can't be. And, and, it, and, and as, as a disciple, I mean, how do you think they would have felt? That the Messiah of the world, the coming Messiah, surely he would have been better spent with them than somewhere else. Surely it would have been better if he could just be with them for eternity. But as, as Jesus was, uh, was speaking to them and as Jesus was looking into the whites of their eyes and into their face, he was about to promise them something that would change their life forever. They were about to promise them the Holy Spirit. This morning's sermon is going to be about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And I hope that this morning as we read God's word and as we look at it, that we will be encouraged and that we would know the Holy Spirit for ourselves. I pray that we would know that the Holy Spirit, uh, it, this is a three-part sermon. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. We pray that the Holy Spirit would show us three things this morning, that he is love, that he is truth, and that he is peace. They're the three things that I like for us. Well, that God, I believe, would like us to know this morning. So if we look at verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Love, love is a very strange thing. Love makes us do things that we wouldn't ordinarily do. Um, when you're young and you're in love with somebody, you, you, love makes you go red in the face when you see that person. Or, or when, you're, uh, when you're married to somebody, uh, love makes you do crazy things. It makes you put up with people's bad habits, their hobbies, <laughs> the piles of clothes that they leave on the bottom of the stairs. My wife's looking at me. <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to regret. Yeah. <laughs> when, you're, 
when you're older, love helps you to get out of the chair. Love has those creases on the side of your eyes, and love changes as, as love matures. Um, young love, you, you, we heard about um, Neil and, and Corinne being engaged this morning. We all knew that they were in love. They didn't have to say anything to us, did they? It was there on their face. Young people, when they're in love, they have this, this, this radiance, this thing that just shines out of them, and they don't have to tell you that they're in love. You know it just by, by looking at them. And, uh, and uh, it makes you feel sick, doesn't it? <laughs> but um, love changes and it matures. Uh, when you get married and, uh, and you have children, you, you can see love there too. It's often a piece of sick on the shoulder or a child hanging off your leg. But then you have the, the, the love, the, the, the dignified love. It's often a quiet love. A love that sometimes it isn't said out loud, but it's intensely felt, and it's a love that's lasted for many years. Um, it's a love that holds your hand in times of trouble, or it might be the, the, the holding of a hand in their last moment. But that kind of that love lasts forever. It lasts forever. And Jesus, in, in our passage today, he says that he will send a helper, and he will be with you forever. He will be with you forever. And that's the kind of love that we want to be able to experience. Jesus also says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Um, I think sometimes when we, when we hear the word commandments, the sort of like the hairs can go up on the back of your neck and you're like, commandments, I don't want anything to do with that. God is going to tell me a load of things that I need to do. I don't want to hear it. And that's certainly how I felt before I was a Christian. But when you understand what love is, <clears throat> you know that love doesn't work that way. Love doesn't work that way. Think about the, illust the, the illustration of the love of a parent or the love of a mother. A baby makes many commandments and many demandments. And you better listen to those commandments and demandments. Otherwise, that little baby can cause a lot of trouble for, for your life. But you, you look after the baby in love because you love that baby. Even when it keeps you up at four o'clock at night. Even, even when it makes you watch Bluey in the morning. You know, you, you, you love that baby and it makes you do things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. And that's what love is. Love is actually more about less of me and more of you. And so when Jesus says, I want you to keep my commandments, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. What he's saying is, you will do this out of love because you love me. But just think about what Jesus has showed the disciples over the past three years, how to put other people first, how to come alongside them, how to tend to the poor and the needy. Jesus was giving them examples of, of love throughout his entire ministry. Earlier on in, in this evening during the Passover meal, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, didn't he? And he said to them, he said to them, 
I haven't got any of my notes, so I have to use my Bible knowledge. He says, I'm going to paraphrase this. It's in John 13. He says, I have given an example to you. Wash each other's feet like I have shown you. And then he says a little bit further down, um, if you love me, then you will love each other. He says, uh, here it is, in, in, verse 30, uh, in verse 34 in chapter 13, a, com- a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The commandments that Jesus asked his disciples to keep and the commandments that he asked us to keep is to love one another. And by this, people will know that we are disciples of Jesus for the love that we have for each other. Jesus Jesus doesn't expect us to do it ourselves. We We can't force ourselves to love somebody and in turn love Jesus. Jesus says that he will give another helper, another helper. Now, the, the, the Greek here um, is, the original Greek has two meanings for the word another. Um, and, the, and the version that Jesus uses for another is of exactly the same kind, of exactly the same essence, the same exact essence another helper of exactly the same kind. Jesus saying, I was the first kind. I was the first helper. I'm now about to send you another helper. A helper who will be able to do exactly the same things that I did in my earthly ministry in being able to provide you comfort, peace, joy. Who will be able to intercede for you. And so that's the comfort that, that, Jesus, that Jesus offers to his disciples and in turn offers us another helper to be with us forever. I want you to try and think about what it would be like to have Jesus by your side in his bodily form at all times. I wonder how that would make you feel. Anytime you were worried about something or you wanted to do something, you could just turn around to Jesus and say, Jesus, what shall I do? Jesus, I'm scared. Jesus, I'm anxious. Jesus, I'm hurting. I'm tempted. And you could just turn to Jesus and he would give you the answers. He would pray for you. Well, he says, I am going to send you another helper, another helper, and he will dwell with you and he will be in you. And that's a wonderful promise. We have the same essence, the same love, the Trinitarian love of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit living within us. Now, this isn't any ordinary love. The, the, the Holy Spirit is, is, is part of the Trinity. He's of exactly the same essence as Jesus and God the Father. And when he says that he will dwell in you, it means that you can be a part of this Trinitarian love too. You can know this love for yourself. You may not believe me, but uh, Jesus says in, in, in verse 21, 
Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. When one of the disciples, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us? Jesus answers him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. I will come to him and I will love him. I will make and we will make our home in him. And so we can know this love that exists between God the Father, God the Son, and we know this through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is Trinitarian. This is the love that was at the beginning of time. This, this is a love that created the entire universe, that mapped out the stars, that formed the planets, that was hovering over the still waters. This is the love which breathed life into his creatures who sustains them, who draws them unto him. This is a love that Jesus says will be with us forever. I think that was the first part of my sermon. <laughs> yeah. I want you to, uh, I think that God also wants us to know this morning that he is, that the Holy Spirit is truth. Holy Spirit is truth. I want to, um, I just want to ask you all a question, actually. Um, and I'm going to ask for a show of hands. Who, who here thinks that we live in a world that is focused on the truth? Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Not a single person thinks that we live in a world which is focused on the truth. And in fact, it's one of the only true things that we do know <laughs> is that the world is not filled with truth. We only need to look at our leaders and know that they're telling lies. We only need to look on the news and listen to, listen to the news and know that it's probably not being, being reported correctly. We only need to look at our culture and look at the lies that our culture tells us. And it's like lies after lies after lies. And it's like it's building up a, a veneer. And it's, it's like a barrier of lies that exists between people. And the barrier is just getting stronger and stronger and stronger. I feel that we're living in a time where this barrier is getting so strong that if you try to speak against it, you'll just get cancelled you try to speak against it, you'll lose your, your, your occupation, your, your money, your freedom. It's a pretty sad and desperate time that we live in. I don't want us to focus on that because I think God wants us to focus on the fact that he is truth. Jesus says in, in verse 16, I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper to be with you, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells in you, and he will be in you. Jesus 
also says in, in verse 25, These things I have spoken to you whilst I am still with you. But the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring, bring to you remembrance of all that I have said to you. When I talk about lies and when I talk about truth, what truth comes to mind? When you think about truth, what is truth? I'm going to pick on somebody. What is truth? Does anybody want to answer that question for me? Sorry? It is the opposite of a lie. So I heard somebody else say something. God. God is truth. Can we think of a verse where God says that he is truth? Yeah, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. An example of what Scripture does is, is the spirit of truth brings to mind and, and speaks to our heart the truth that we find in God's word. When, when, I was t when we were talking about uh, Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, it was a verse that I'm sure went through many of our minds. And, and that, that process is the power of the Holy Spirit working within us. That's the Holy Spirit resting in our heart. God, when he wrote the original Ten Commandments, he wrote them on tablets of stone. But now through the power of the Holy Spirit, he writes those commandments on our heart. We take in God's word, and it's truth. Jesus, he says, it is the way, the truth, and the life. And unfortunately, this world cannot receive that truth. We live in a world now where, where the truth is completely distorted. We live in a world now where I can preach and know that if I say certain things on Monday, somebody will say to me, you've lost your job. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Um, does anybody have a, a, a best friend or a friend that you've, you've spent many years with and it doesn't matter how long you haven't seen that person for, um, just the memories of, of times that you spent together just comes flooding back. It, it could be many years that you haven't seen this, this person. Um, I'm sure we all have that, that friend. Um, and, uh, and we have those memories because they're not existing up here in our, uh, in our brains. Then this isn't brain knowledge, is it? This is, this is heart knowledge. These are memories that we have in our heart. So when Jesus says that the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send him, my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. That's the process of what happens. It's, it's, the, it's that heart message coming forth. I want you to think about uh, uh, Peter, uh, the disciple of Jesus. Um, in this passage, in, in the Passover meal, he's been, he's been, so, been so scared. He's been so scared that his, his, 
his master will leave him. And, uh, and Peter quite often makes, uh, makes remarks um, of, of, of promising great things, of, of, do, of doing great things. And all of, the, all of the disciples were so confused. In this moment, they're like, Jesus, where are you going? They couldn't connect what Jesus was saying to Scripture. And then we see in Acts 2, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon them on the day of Pentecost, everything just clicked into place. Peter, in, in, in his first sermon, proclaimed the name of Jesus, proclaimed the gospel, and in that moment, 3,000 people, 3,000 souls came to Christ. And the most, one of the, the most beautiful verses for me is when, when the people in the crowds there, they, they say to Jesus, when they heard this, when they heard the gospel, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And this is the, this is the miracle for me. Because everything that we've, we've been speaking about, everything in the past two chapters, the, the uncertainty, the, the not knowing of what Jesus was saying, not knowing what the promised Holy Spirit was. I mean, it takes from chapters 13 to 16 for Jesus to tell them what the Holy Spirit is. And then in this moment in Acts, when they say, what should we do? What do we need to do? Peter says to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone who the Lord our God calls to himself. And that's the miracle is that it all clicked in that place. Not just for Peter, but for the 3,000 people who heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a promise for all who believe in him, for all who love him, for all who keep his commandments. The last thing in my sermon, my eloquent sermon that I wrote, <laughs> the one that was so impressive. Somebody said to me this morning, I hope your sermon is good. If not, I'll listen to one of Daniel's. <laughs> Another person said, I've been praying this morning. And if my answers are prayed, you'll last no longer than 10 minutes. <laughs> but I have peace. I have peace. Jesus uh, says in verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Um, what do you need to do in order to find peace? Um, some people have a certain place that they go to in order to find peace. It might be that, that chair next to the cozy fire with a warm mug of hot chocolate and a nice book on your lap. That might be your place of peace. 
I, I could never have that place of peace. We, we don't have a fireplace. Um, we don't have a cozy chair in our house either, actually. The reason why I say that is because usually there will either be a child sat on it or a dog, and the dog's probably either eaten the cushion or there's some sort of stain on it. I don't find comfort in our, on our chair. I find comfort when the kids are at the grandparents' house. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm asleep in bed. That's my place of peace. Um, so Susanna Wesley, the, the, the mother of, of John and Charles Wesley, uh, you've probably heard this before, but her place of peace was under her apron. She would say to her 10 children, if you see me under my apron, that means that I'm praying. Do not disturb me. <laughs> I think Charles Spurgeon's place of peace was in, in, in France, I believe, of all places. Um, these examples of, 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 of peace, they, they're all external. They're all external agencies of peace. It's, we have to go and do something in order to find peace. Um, it might be going for a walk and spending time in nature. I love to do that. That's one of the things that I find. It might be playing a board game with loved ones and spending time with family. Or, or That's really not peaceful for a lot of people. <laughs> Richard's shaking his head. Um, it might be here in the sanctuary, in the quiet sanctuary of the church. These are all external um, agencies of peace. We have to go and do something or be surrounded by things or people. Or, yeah, or be surrounded or not be surrounded by certain people. <laughs> but Jesus offers us another sort of peace. Jesus says in verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. My peace, let not your hearts be troubled. But think about the peace of Jesus. What was the peace of Jesus like? The disciples had seen the peace of Jesus. They'd seen him falling asleep in the boat in the middle of a storm, didn't they? They saw Jesus reviled, persecuted. They saw Jesus able to, to winningly go to the cross. They saw Jesus tortured, spat on, hung upon the cross. And all the while, the peace of Jesus was with him. And he, he never... He never sinned throughout all of that. He never complained. He was the perfect peace. He has perfect peace because he had, had the perfect will of God. Peter, to go back to Peter, I'm picking on Peter now. I know Daniel picks on Peter. I'm going to pick on him too this sermon. Um, I think we'll both be apologizing to him in heaven. <laughs> think about... Um, Think about Peter. He, he said in, in, in earlier on, he said uh, earlier on in the Passover meal, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And then Jesus said, will you? Will you, Peter? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow to have denied me three times. I mean, Peter, it was in him. It was in him. He wanted... He, I mean, I'm sure Peter would have, would have lost his life for Jesus. He did chop off a bloke's ear when, uh, when Jesus was getting arrested. But he saw the peace of Jesus, but he didn't have the peace of Jesus within him. He didn't have the peace of Jesus within him. And I think that's 
probably most illustrated when, when Peter's looking upon that horrible trial of, of Jesus and, and, and he can see what's going on. And somebody says to you, oh, I recognize you. And Peter, you're one of his disciples. And Peter says, no, no, I'm not one of his disciples. And then, and then they say, yes, yes, you are. I saw you. I saw you with him. And then Peter says, no, no, I'm not one of his disciples. And the person says, yes, you are. I saw you in the garden. You, you chopped that bloke's ear off. That, that, that bloke was my brother. And Peter says, no, that wasn't, that wasn't me. Oh, how Peter wished that he had the peace of Jesus in that moment. He rued that time when he, when he denied his master three times. But Jesus says, my peace I will give you. And I just want to go back to that transformation of, G, of, of Peter. At one point, unable to say that G, he was a disciple of Jesus to that moment when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon him and he preaches the word of the Lord. The whole of Jerusalem echoed with the name of Jesus because Peter was boldly able to proclaim his name at a time when the, the, the Jewish high priests and the Romans were trying to keep Jerusalem on lockdown. Any mention of the word Jesus would land you in, prayer, in, in prison or in jail or killed taken away from your family, Peter was proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people heard the word of the Lord and 3,000 of people were saved because of what Peter said at Pentecost. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit can do. He reminds us of the truth. He reminds us of his love. We too can have the peace of Jesus peace of Jesus isn't an absence of trials. The peace of Jesus isn't an absence of persecution. The peace of Jesus this week um, I, well this the past couple of weeks I uh, had a bit of a time if I'm honest with you. I had COVID last week um, and then, and then uh, for some reason, our, our, our daughter decided like every single night, it was going to be a night that she was going to be awake every minute of the night. And, uh, and there's just constant brain fog. I just couldn't put pen to paper. I couldn't. Yeah. And then yesterday, the perfect sermon came to me in the bath and I was like, yes, thank you, Lord. <laughs> and I started writing the sermon down. I was like, thank you, Lord. And then I came up to this, uh, this, this pulpit and my iPad stopped working. And I wasn't able to say that amazing sermon that I'd written. Um, and then all the while, as I just go back a little bit to, to writing the sermon, I had these, these, these voices saying to me, you're, you're, you're not good enough. You're not, the, the sermon's not good enough. You have to preach in a certain way you have to preach like this person or sound like that person. And, and, and I just had to say, no, what is the spirit of truth? What is the spirit of truth living within me? What is the peace within me? And, 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 and Jesus answered all my prayers in that moment. 
I was I was able to form a, a message without without even knowing what I w- wanted to say. I just was able to write it down like that. And it's not for my glory. It's not for it's for the glory of God. It's for his glory. That's what that's what the power of the Holy Spirit does within us. It connects us to Jesus Christ and God the Father and his will for what it was what he wants to say to us. And I don't know what kind of things you've been going through this week or recently. I don't know what your walk with Jesus is like. But I feel that there's probably people here who are similar, who are trying to live life in hardcore mode, trying to do things their way. But Jesus wants you to know that he has done everything. He has, he's done everything. He's, he, he loved you first. If you want to know the love of God, know that he loved you first. We love because, say that again, we love because he first loved us. That's the truth that we all know this morning. There may be people here who don't know that truth. Don't take it from me or take it from us. Listen to the word of God. Come back to scripture. Okay, we pray, we will be praying with you as a collective, those who do know Jesus Christ, we'll be praying for you that you will know the love of God. That's what we do. We want to come alongside you. We want the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of your hearts so that you can receive him, that you can know him, know the love of God and have the peace of Jesus Christ living within you. Know that Trinitarian love. To be filled with the Holy Spirit means to be filled with the power of God's love. The power of God's love for you, it's like a fire. It's like a fire. And um, I believe I'm going to just end it there, if that's okay. Um, We're about to sing a song. Um, I'd like to invite the worship team up. Um, We're about to sing a song which has been written by somebody here in, in our fellowship. And it's a song that asks us, to understand this love for Jesus. As we sing these words, I want you to sing it in a posture of prayer and faith. Sing it as a prayer to God. Sing it um, knowing that Jesus will answer those prayers. Because Jesus said, he said, um, whatever you ask in my name, in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything, In my name, I will do it. Okay, so I'd like us to pray. And then we're going to ask Jesus Christ to send his Holy Spirit. We're going to ask for your hearts to be open to know the love of God. So let's pray together. Father, sometimes life doesn't turn out the way that we think it's going to turn out. Sometimes things don't go the way that we think they're going to go. But you know this. Nothing surprises you, Lord. And you promised to give us a helper, an advocate, a comforter, somebody who can guide us, somebody who can teach us, somebody who loves us, uncontrollably loves us, with a love so deep, it's like fire. It's that Trinitarian love between the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. And so we pray to you right now. You say that if we ask, you will give. You give, give, you give gifts to your children. And so, Lord, we pray, give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Give us your love. Give us your overwhelming love as we sing this worship song to you now. And we, we give you this, this song. We, we rise our praises to you as a sacrifice of our love to you for everything you've done for us. We give it back to you in praise and prayer and worship. And we do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.